Tonight, God's Word comes to us once again from the Gospel of Luke and chapter 24. We're going to pick up our reading at verse 13 and then read through verse 35 of this chapter. Luke 24, beginning at verse 13. What we hear now is God's Word. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, Some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen even a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread." Here we in the reading of God's holy word. 
Well, we come to this Easter night, and it seems that Easter passes so quickly. When we think about Christmas, uh, we look ahead to that, and we plan this far until Christmas, and we anticipate the coming of Christmas. But it seems like, like so often Good Friday and Easter just kind of sneak up on us, and then they're gone. Perhaps even more so this year as we can't gather on Good Friday night, as we can't gather on Easter morning. And so we're going to spend just a little more time tonight reflecting on the events of that first Easter Sunday and how Jesus himself would speak with two men walking to Emmaus and how he himself would encourage them and would instruct them in the word. And of course, that is our prayer tonight, that Christ himself, by the power of his spirit, would encourage us and instruct us through his holy word. Children, verse 13 says, that very day, what very day? Easter. This text follows right after the text we looked at this morning. That very first day of the week, that very same day, that Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, we don't know much about who these two were. We are told uh, one of them is named Cleopas. Now, that really doesn't help us a lot, since this is the only time Cleopas is mentioned. So we really have no frame of reference as to who this is. Some suggest uh, the other unnamed man was perhaps Luke himself, uh, we don't have any attestation to that. It may be the case. So we really don't know uh, much about these men. Uh, but they are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they do so, they are talking about the things that had happened. Uh, no surprise. This, uh, this uh, trial, this crucifixion, and now even as some would hear about the resurrection, would, would certainly the news would travel quickly. They were talking about what had happened the last few days. And while they are walking on the road, while they are talking about these things, another man uh, comes alongside to join them and hears their conversation. And as he hears them talking, he says, uh, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they really can't quite believe it. How could he not know? Uh, he must be a visitor to Jerusalem. He says, are you the only one, the only visitor who hasn't heard what's been going on? What has happened? And Jesus says to them, what things? What things have happened that you are talking about? And they, they in their answer, give, give a, a hopeful uh, expectation of what might have been. He says, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God. The things of Jesus of Nazareth. And they describe him as a prophet. One who was mighty, mighty in his deeds. Per perhaps uh, they had seen some of the deeds of Jesus. Perhaps had seen the healings, perhaps had seen the feedings, or at least certainly had heard about these things. A prophet mighty in deed, a prophet mighty in word, 
one who taught as one with authority. They knew about Jesus. They had heard these things about him. They speak about his life. A prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. And they speak about his death. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Yes, they knew his life. But they also knew, perhaps even had seen, his death, the crucifixion, the cruel death on the cross. But, but they said, we had hoped, we had hoped that perhaps this was the one who would redeem Israel. They had high expectations, high hopes for Jesus. Now, perhaps they misunderstood the nature of that redemption. But still, their hope was he would do something. He would do something great for the people of Israel. Perhaps he was the one to redeem Israel. And then they go on, and, and besides all this, now it is the third day since these things had happened. They must have heard that on the third day he had said he will rise. And now it's that third day. We had great hopes. We had great expectations. He might redeem Israel. He said he'd rise on the third day. It's the third day now. And beyond that, you can almost, as my voice is, hear their voices rising. And beyond that, some women from our company amazed us. They went to the tomb early. They did not find the body. And they came back saying that they saw a vision of angels who had told them. Jesus had arose. What wonderful expectations. And then they say, and besides that as well, some of our own disciples went and confirmed what the women said. They, they did not see his body. You can almost hear the anticipation, the hope in their voices as they explain these things to the man who's come up, up along to join them. Jesus Jesus will take the knowledge that they have of those things that have taken place and he will expand upon it so they might see clearly and truly uh, what has happened. Jesus will instruct them, although the instruction begins rather harshly. He said to them, O oh, foolish ones, you slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And these men must have at this point said, well, he knows, he knows something. If he's going to come to us and instruct us, was it not necessary that these things you've spoken about had to take place because the prophets told about them? And Jesus is going to, to reveal to them the truth of who he was. Their eyes needed to be opened. They were yet unenlightened. They were the foolish ones as of yet. But he would show them the truth. Now I have on the outline tonight the hermeneutical instruction. And I used that word children a couple weeks ago. And I know it's not a word we use very often, hermeneutical. But you remember from a couple weeks ago, I said all hermeneutics is is how we read the Bible. Jesus is going to give them a lesson in how to read the Bible. 
we talked about, about hermeneutics, how we read the Bible, as we read it as the Word of God. It is spoken to us by God himself. We talked about hermeneutics, how we read the Bible, as seeing the themes in Scripture. The themes of creation, fall, redemption. The themes of covenant, the themes of kingdom. They knew some things. They knew some facts. We had to have them put together and see in a deeper way the truth of Scripture. And the uh, simple but profound lesson Jesus gives them is that all the Scriptures speak about Him. That's the lesson He teaches. All the Scriptures speak about Him. Kids, if I asked you, who is the main character in the New Testament? Who is the New Testament about? I'm sure you would tell me the New Testament is about Jesus. If I asked you, who is the Old Testament mainly about? It's not mainly about Abraham. It's not mainly about Moses. It's not mainly about David. The Old Testament is mainly about Jesus. Verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus gave them a lesson in how to read the Bible, how to read the Old Testament, and how all the scriptures point to him. This is connected uh, later in a story we might look at another Easter night. Uh, later that day in verse 44, Jesus says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. That, that threefold division was the division of the Old Testament scriptures. The law, the prophets, and the writings. The Torah, the Nabi'im, and the Katubim. These, these three parts of the Old Testament, he says, they all speak about me. We need to learn to read the Old Testament in that way. Take our instruction from Jesus. When we read about Moses and the ceremonies in the Old Testament and the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they are not just stories in themselves, but they point us forward to who Jesus is and what he would do. The sacrifice for the sins of his people. Jesus, the Lamb of God. When we read the Psalms of David... Uh, we talked about this in our psalm series. We just finished how the psalms point us to God's anointed one, to Jesus Christ. We read tonight in Psalm 16, you will not abandon your holy one to destruction or let him see decay. That is ultimately about Christ and about his resurrection. The psalms speak of Jesus. We think of the Old Testament, the monarchy, the kingship. A picture, a pointer to the true king, the eternal king, to King Jesus Christ. Even the, the tabernacle and the temple 
the way these things were constructed and the furnishings therein speak about the work of Christ. All the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets all speak of Jesus Christ. We talked on Friday night about Jesus, the suffering servant, spoken of in Isaiah. That suffering servant, not simply someone in Isaiah's time, but Jesus Christ, the ultimate suffering servant of God. We, we learn the lesson from Jesus to read the Old Testament as that which points to Him. If we don't do that, the Old Testament becomes for us an interesting set of stories, perhaps, perhaps examples of how we should live. It, we, we, we look at the Old Testament in a very moralistic way. We read the story of David and Goliath. And, and we hear that story preached and then someone says to you, now what are the Goliaths in your life that you have to slay with the power of God? That's not the point of that story. It is God's anointed David defeating the powers that come against him, pointing to Jesus Christ and his defeat of Satan. We read of uh, Daniel and the lions and we sing the song, Dare to be a Daniel. This story is not ultimately about dare to be a Daniel. Again, God's choice, God's chosen, God's anointed who stands against the powers that would come against God. Kids, when you are having devotions around the table with your parents and they read you a story, whether it's from the New Testament or from the Old Testament. I hope, I want to challenge you, I hope you ask mom and dad the question, how does this story speak about Jesus? Don't ask the question, does this story speak about him? All the scriptures speak about him. Ask the question, how does this story speak about Jesus? Because Jesus began with Moses, and with all the prophets, and he would go to the Psalms, and all of the Old Testament scriptures speak about him. When we understand that, that method of reading scripture, Jesus' prescribed method, the Old Testament takes on a depth and a beauty that would otherwise be lost on us. It's not just stories of God's people long ago. It is stories which point us to the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus instructs them. And then they are getting near the village to which they were going. Uh, he acts as if he's going to go farther. But they urge him strongly saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. They did not want him to travel any farther. Uh, possibly for a number of reasons. First of all, it is nighttime. It's not safe to travel at night. At night on the road, there could be bandits. On night on the road, there could be other snares. There could be animals. So he said, don't go any farther. And I'm sure they wanted to have more instruction. Stay with us for the night. We want to learn more from you. And so when they are at table together, he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it, and gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him. 
Now, some have suggested that what's going on here is Jesus celebrating the Lord's Supper with them. I don't believe that is the case. They are simply at the table together, and he is breaking the bread. But there was something in that act, something in that act which God used to open their eyes. They had heard his instruction, how the Old Testament speaks of the Christ, but then when they see it with their own eyes, when they see him break the bread, suddenly their eyes are opened and they understand. God, God condescends to the weakness of his people. So often we want to see something. Yeah, I can hear the truth. Let me see it. Let me see it. Well, something about how Jesus broke that bread was sufficient to have them recognize who he was. And that is what God does for us in the sacraments. The Word of God is sufficient. When the Word of God declares that all of our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, that is sufficient truth. But God condescends and allows us to see that truth when we come to the baptismal font. And we can see the water placed on the one baptized and be assured that just as surely as water washes away dirt from the body, so surely are our sins washed away by the blood of Christ. We know that Jesus Christ by his spirit continues in his word to strengthen us day after day, but when we come to the table and we see and taste and touch the bread and the wine, there is a more immediate reality there for us, it seems. We're reminded that just as surely as bread and wine strengthen me physically, so I am spiritually strengthened by Christ himself. We come to the table. God condescends to our weakness and gives us these beautiful pictures of the work of Jesus Christ. Their eyes were opened. They recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? Did not our hearts burn as he revealed these glorious truths to us from the word of God? Well, what do they do? They had been instructed, verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, has appeared to Simon. And they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Remember, they had already said to Jesus, Don't travel anymore. Not safe to travel at night. But they, they heard this, they saw this, and what do they do? They get on the road again. Even though it's at night, even though it's going to be a two or three hour walk back to Jerusalem. They heard the truth, and they needed to go and tell someone. Now, this would be a wonderful text about evangelism if they had gone and told strangers the truth they knew. And there are plenty of texts that talk about the importance of that. 
But that's not what's going on here. They go back, and they find the 11. And they find those who are with them. They go back to the church to speak of the truth that they knew. It's, it's a wonderful thing to share the gospel with those who have not heard it before. But it's also a wonderful thing to talk about the gospel with those who know it, with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We do that in our homes with our families. We teach our children the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do that when we gather together informally, when we gather together formally. We talk about the truth that we know. We must take joy in that. Joy in sharing the truths of the faith with one another. It's Easter night. Uh, perhaps some of you have gathered in limited ways with family or friends today. I hope you spent some time not just talking about COVID-19, what's happening, talking about what's really happening the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because as we, as we get used to talking about that truth together with our family, with those closest to us, then we will be more comfortable to tell that truth to those who do not know the Lord. They got together with those who would, who would resonate with the story. And they talked about what had happened. And as they go, those who are there say, the Lord has risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. And they could then share in that story. Let me tell you what happened to me. We were on the road. We were walking together. And suddenly he opened the scriptures. And in the breaking of the bread, we recognized it was Jesus himself. It was a, del a delight to speak of the things of the Lord. Tonight, once again, we celebrate the work of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, the one who continues to reveal himself through his scriptures, through his word. God's word and the call to faith and obedience go out again tonight. Uh, place your confidence in this Jesus Christ, the one whom all the scriptures speak about, the one in whom all the prophecies are yea and amen. Put your faith in him and know the joy of the resurrection. And then as you are brought in to the faith, Continue to speak about these truths with each other. To talk about what God has done in our lives. How, how we see his work in our families, in our jobs, in our education, and all of these things. That together, we as the body of Christ may praise God for what he has done. May praise him for the work of Jesus Christ. The one revealed to us, the one who we love to speak about. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for speaking to us. Speaking to us in your holy word. A word that reveals your beautiful plan of redemption. A word that from Genesis to Revelation reveals Jesus Christ. Lord God, make us good students of that word. Not simply knowing uh, the, the surface story, but seeing the beautiful truths you have contained of how throughout Scripture you point forward to the coming of your Son, 
and how after he is here, he establishes his church. He returns to heaven and pours out his spirit, a spirit that rests upon us as well. Lord God, may we rejoice together as families, as friends in the Lord, as your people, as we talk to each other and recall the story of the resurrection and speak of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Lord God, thank you for this glorious, glorious message from your word. May it encourage us and strengthen us for the week to come. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.